Praise God. Amen. What a privilege it is to be here. We made it. And uh, I told somebody this morning, I felt, felt a little bit like I was in Africa. Had to go get the part for the mechanic and do all of that for him. Would have been nice if we could have just laid hands on it and it started working. How many would rather be saved out of your situation that way? Amen. So praise God. Thank God it's on the podcast. So we will we'll be able to listen to the last night's message. It's great to be here. Amen. What a, what a blessing it is to be able to do this type of a thing down here in Denton. Thanks so much to Pastor Blake and Carla and the Denton Church. Amen. You don't want to miss the next one in Cortez in June, the 11th and the 12th, I believe it is. And so uh, they, you know, they uh, are preparing themselves. There's not as many hotels, so we'll all be all together there and it'll be a lot of fun. So invite somebody, make sure if you would to remind people about that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that you just, Lord, give me wisdom, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to hear from you, God. Thank you for this word, Lord, this morning. I pray that you continue to speak to us. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me, over, if you would, over to Ezekiel chapter 3 for just a minute. C.S. Lewis said one time, are you going to Ezekiel chapter 3? Amen. I didn't know if you heard me. Uh, C.S. Lewis said one time, he said, why do the righteous suffer? They, somebody asked him, why do the righteous suffer? And he responded, why not? They're the only ones who can take it. Amen. We can take it, can't we? Amen. We're going to make it. Look at somebody and say, we're going to make it. Now, I like to avoid situations that are, you know, where God's... Uh, you know, refining me. We usually we try and avoid those types of things, but the fact is that there are sometimes there are things that God deals with us, puts us through that are refining things in us. They are part of the process to get us to where He wants us to be. If we could get out of it, it'd be great. We could get around it. And uh, what what a good message this morning from Pastor Mario. You know, our uh, potential is great in God. What a shame to fall short. What a shame at this late stage of the game that here we are out the, at the very last, which we believe we're in the last of the last days. What a shame to at this point miss out on all that God has for us. We're, we're so privileged to be at this point in history that we're poised as, as a church and as, as the people of God to step into the, the best opportunities that we could possibly step into. Jesus said in John 9, I must work the works of him who sent me. You know, what is it that motivates us in ministry? I believe that we're here because we desire to do something for God. We're not just here because we're obligated, but we're here because we're, we, we want to see God speak to us. We want God to meet us and, and point us in the direction that he wants us to go. Well, what is it that motivates you in ministry? What, what drives you? What is that thing that really says, you know what, I gotta, I've got to do something for God? I and mean, we came all this way. We drove all the way from wherever it is we came, even if you came from across town and took off work. What drives you to be here? Are you motivated by self-interest? Are you motivated because of the things that God has laid upon your heart? Are you motivated because you love him? What motivates you even to give that money, that, that hard-earned money that you've labored all week for and the, and the offering basket comes by? What motivates us? 
I believe that we're motivated by love and we're also motivated by that desire to do something for God, to be, to be counted for God. Jesus told Peter three times, he said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. How many love the Lord? He even told Peter a third time, Peter, if you love me, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I'm committed to you. He said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. You know, serving in ministry isn't going to make God love you more. It's not going to make God accept you anymore. We serve God because of what he's done for us. We're already accepted. You know, when we moved to Greeley, we worked ourselves to the bone when we pioneered that church up there. We were doing stuff. We, it was, it was a, uh, a daily thing. We were, we were constantly, and this is many pastors here, you're constantly involved. When we went to Kenya and we pastored over in Nairobi, it was like, it was nonstop. We were, we were doing things, and, and we were involved, in, and, and uh, we were busy because we understood something. Time is short. We need workers. We need people that will step up. Listen, be it, if, if we're going to be a disciple, we're going to have to be willing to work. I remember we had a guy come into our church, and he was uh, out, of another, out of another fellowship, and he came, and, he, and I, I met him, and he told me, yeah, I'm already saved. We're, we're uh, the whole family saved. They came early for prayer. It was a blessing to be there, and I tried to get him involved. I asked him, where do you want to serve? What do you want to do? He says, Pastor, I don't want to be involved anywhere. I just want to be normal. I thought, what is that? What's normal? Normal is being busy for the Lord. Normal is being involved. Normal is doing the things that God has called us to do. Are we tired? Of course we're tired. How many are tired? Amen. But it's good to be busy for the things of God. It's good to be busy doing the work of God. One of these days, if Jesus doesn't come back, guess what? You're going to be in a box in front of a congregation just like this. All of us are going to step into eternity. Let's make our time count. Let's make, it, make our lives effective for the things of God. So there's a responsibility. The first thing I want to look at is our responsibility. In Ezekiel chapter 3. Well, I'm... Let me see here. Ezekiel chapter 3. He says, It came to pass at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came unto me. Verse 16. In verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I, shall, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and you give them not warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, he, but his blood will I require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he turns not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered thy soul. You know, God has called us to be that watchman on the wall he's called us to make our mark in the kingdom of God I want to ask you something this morning how is it how do you measure up before God 
You ever rank, you ever, you ever ask yourself or ask God, God, how do I measure in your eyes? How do I, how, where do I line up? Am I, you know, sometimes we give ourselves such high marks. We say, I must be up here. I must be an eight or a nine. When it comes to really, you know, doing great things for God, I must be right up here near the top. I mean, I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm up there at a nine or a ten. But you know the way some people walk into church and the way some people act, you think that they thought they were right up there next to God. How do we measure up? You know, I'm not saying that we're always, you know, trying to uh, uh, look at our sins and look at our problems and examine our things. I'm saying we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, but we do need to measure ourselves. That's what altar calls are for. That's what getting down and examining ourselves, not always looking at our sins and trying to point out all the problems, keeping our eyes on Jesus, of course, but certainly examining ourselves and saying, God, where am, where am I failing? God, what is it that you want to correct in my life? Lord, what is it that you want to, to change in me? We're not, there are no perfect people here. There's a lot of, there are many times God is speaking to us. He's directing us and, and trying to fix some things, work out some things in our lives. It's expected that we ought to, we ought to do that. Be obedient to what God has to say to us. You know, God's timing is so important. God has such a, different standard than the world has we so so many times we get our eyes off god what is it god what is it that you want we're looking at what everybody else is doing instead of measuring ourselves by him we're measuring ourselves by the church that's across town we're measuring ourselves by somebody else's success looking at them and saying well i'm not as good as they are so i must not be measuring up but you know god has a totally different standard in life how do we measure ourselves you know in the book of joshua and and then the book of judges these are two very different books in the bible now on the one hand you have joshua and god has put his hand upon joshua he's the one that's going to lead the people of god into canaan moses the bible says would not step into the promised land but he would see that he would see it from afar he he went up to the top of the mountain and he could see it from afar but here joshua is going to take the the children of israel into canaan there were going to be battles. There are going to be all these different things. And God puts him in that place for, the, for, for that appropriate moment. They step in. They had battles all along the way. But then you find the book of Judges is totally different. Here they've, they've left following Joshua. They've left these things and they've said, we, we want to do things our way. You find them, they're, they're one minute, they're having a, a victory. They're way up here on top. They've got so many good things that are happening in their lives. And then they begin to get smug about their, their success and they turn their back on God and, and, and their enemies begin to swallow them up and then they cry out to God again. And then God sends a prophet. He sends somebody to come and to speak to them and it's like they're up here then they're down here then they're up here then they're down here they're always doing going through these struggles seven times it happens in the book of judges it's a very different book there's something that that is that takes place is it, it the, the sacrifice and the investment and the the uh, struggle that went that they went through to get where they were was lost on that next generation there was, there was a challenge that was put to Joshua and, he, and, he, and, and 
in Joshua chapter 1, it says, Moses is dead, now get up. Now do something. And so they had to persevere. They had to press in. They had to really believe God and step out in faith. Miracles after miracles. But what happened in that next generation? What happened that, that they could not understand the sacrifice that was made? They couldn't understand the, the investment that was made. And it was lost. I wonder sometimes if we, in, in our in our ambition and the things that we're doing we forget that there's another generation that's coming up behind us there's another generation that deserves their opportunity to see a revival as pastor said every generation has a right to their own revival they didn't understand that you know i i think we need to we need to be students of history we ought to be we ought to listen to those stories as pastor you know i've heard i've heard pastor tell stories so many times i already know the punchline. i already know what what happens at the end i laugh anyways i look forward to hearing the story anyways because I understand there's history there. There was a sacrifice that was made. Many times we don't, we, people, people have complete disregard for the, the struggles that people went through. Emily and I were, were uh, listening to a book on the way down here. We were listening about the, the Dust Bowl of, of the 1920s. And how this dust, it was to, to Emily, it was like a horror story. You thought Freddy Krueger was, we were listening to some horror story like that. The dust. I mean, this Emily. She, you know, she. I'll just tell you for a second. She, her, her therapy is vacuuming and cleaning, and to hear hear the the struggles that people went through in that dust bowl and how it dropped. I mean, thousands and thousands of tons of of dirt on eastern cities and the and the the sacrifice that people went through in in uh the depression and the finances and the and the things that people go through you can't disregard those things you can't put those things aside those are the things that made our nation what it is today and when you listen to the sacrifice of, of what people have been through and how they've fought battles and the things that they've gone through, we can't push that aside. We have to understand there's, there's something to be learned there. All of the things that Joshua, all of the things that the children of Israel had to deal with, the battles that they had at Jericho and at Ai and at these other cities and all along the way and the, the, uh, the water that, that came out of the rock and all of the, the miracles that God had done. Somehow it was lost on the children of Israel in the book of Judges. Because you've got two different, very different stories. Timing is so important. Joshua saw God for who he was. He saw a plan that needed to be fulfilled. But in Judges, somehow the dream had died. What a terrible cycle. What a, what a terrible thing for us to not live up to and rise to our potential as men and women of God. You know, we have these cycles too in ministry. We do these things too in ministry. Pastors go through these same types of things where they're, they're up one minute and sometimes you're on a, on a high and you've got, all th you've got all the victory in the world and then the devil just, it just beats on you. 
you become weary you know how many have ever how many have ever gotten people weary let me just be come on just be honest for a second you know i thought i thought before man sometimes you just get people weary you, when when you see that name on the telephone and you and you click the button cuz you say i can't deal with this right now i know nobody here has ever done such a thing and you know what i thought wait a minute i'm a people Somebody is not answering my phone call. I know pastor has his phone. And I always think, I'm just, I'm just being transparent. I always think before I press that button, I wonder if they're around and they're watching me. <laughs> Maybe they're in the car next to me or they're at the restaurant on the other side. But you know, there's only one way to break that cycle, and that is through the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus broke the devil's back for us. And you know, it's up to us to lay hold of that victory, to, to shake off that, that spirit of discouragement, to not miss the mark, to miss the opportunity that God has for us at this, at this present time. There's a lot of things that God wants to, to change. God, a lot of things God wants to speak to us and deal with us about. Let him do it. Let him change us. Let him deal with us. Pastor Jerry Large did a, a tremendous job last week. I don't think we had it on, on tape or, or recorded in the discipleship last week, but what a tremendous message that he, that he preached on discipleship. You know, the Nazarites, they were dedicated people and judges. You read about Samson. He was, he was dedicated. Pastor Mario mentioned Samson, but there was something in him that he could not continue. There was something, there was something in his heart that didn't carry him all the way to where God wanted to take him. You had Joshua, you had these men, but then somewhere in Judges, the ball gets dropped and they, they forgot about all those things and, and, and Samson wanted what he wanted and he wanted it right now. We, we are many times that same type of person. We want what we want and we want it right now. And even when it comes to the process, we instead of letting the process work and letting time, let, letting God work it out in his time, we want what we want right now. I've talked with people before in, in ministry. They, you know, talk to them. We're wondering, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to be okay with, with uh, uh, serving in, a, in an usher's ministry for, for a while? They're, you know, they're not ready to pastor. They're not ready to go out. Are they going to be okay teaching a Sunday school class or working in this area of ministry? Then what do we do with them if they, if they get tired of that? Do we just have this revolving door of ministry and we just move people from one place to the next? You know, because got, we've got to keep them busy. Well, you know, the, we've, got, we've got to learn to be content where God has put us and be willing to serve ministry is ministry. So, well, i got a pastor. I got to do this. I got to do that. Ministry is ministry. People are people. Opportunity is opportunity. Even you say, well, well all I am is a, a nursery worker. You're ministering to those children. You're, you're in a place where God can use you, and, and that's where God has put you. 
Well, I've, I've talked to people before and asked them, would you like to, would you like to serve in, in this area of ministry? And, and I kid you not, one answer was, well, if that's the next step. As if that, well, you know, I've got to get up here. But if that's the next step, then I'll, I guess I'll do that. We don't want to wait. You know, they did a study in the 60s, and I shared this with our church some time ago, that they did this study at Stanford with four-year-olds where they took them into a room and they put them at a table with a chair and put a little plate in, the, in front of them. These are four-year-olds. Four-year-olds don't have a whole lot of patience. They walked in and they took a marshmallow out and put that marshmallow in front of that kid and told the child, if you wait for 15 minutes when I come back into the room if you haven't eaten this marshmallow I'll give you a second marshmallow you can eat this one but if you wait I'll give you a second one and they walked out and they filmed it you can google it and look it up watch them online two out of three kids grabbed the marshmallow and ate it some of them in 30 seconds, some two minutes, four minutes, eight minutes, some even 14 and a half minutes. They would look at that marshmallow, they would pick it up, they would smell it. They would, some of them would lick it. And they just... It, it killed them. Some of them, they were, they were pulling out their hair. They were pounding the table. One third of the children waited until the person came back into the room and they got the second marshmallow. They went back 15 years later, found those people. The ones that had eaten the marshmallow, they did worse in school. They had worse grades. Their relationships were more strained. They had more problems in their, in their home and their relationships. They were fewer in university. Those that had not eaten the marshmallow, they had better grades, better relationships. They, they, they had a better outlook on life. And, they were, and, and almost all of them had gone to university. There was something about that delayed gratification that they were willing to wait, knowing there's something better down the road. There's an opportunity that's coming. If I can just wait right now. I wonder how many of us are, are in such a hurry to get to where we think God wants us to be that we just can't, we just can't wait. We want it right now. There are people, they've, they've said, well, it's not happening fast enough in ministry. I'm going to go out. I'm, I've got to start my own thing. I've got, to go do, I've got to go do something on my own. We, we are where we are because somebody said, you know, I see value in working together. I see value in being in a place where, where it, it, it may not be the most glamorous place, but this is where God put me. This is what God has done in my life. This is where he wants me to be. You ever had somebody, you ever see somebody with a lot of potential and then you see them just, just throw it away? We had a young man in our church in Nairobi. He was in, in one of our youth camps, the camper of the year. His name was Samuel. 
I mean, this guy was, he was fit. He was a good guy. He was just a, uh, an encouraging guy. And coming out of the slums to, to make something of your life is a real, it's a, it's a pretty uh, incredible thing to be able to rise above poverty and to, and to see some measure of success in life. This guy, Samuel, caught the attention in soccer of the national football team, national soccer team. And he began to play on their on their um, their practice squads, and he began to work with their their uh, their up and coming leagues. And next thing you know, he was being uh, taken into a level of of soccer that people men they they only dream about. He had an opportunity one time to go into Singapore. They're going to play a match with the the Harambe Stars as the national team. They're going to go play a match over in Singapore. And they told them, they said, when when you go into Singapore, there are certain things that you have to do and you cannot do. And they said, one thing that you cannot do, number one, don't bring any drugs in. And number two, don't bring any chewing gum in. Well, somebody got a hold of Samuel on Facebook and said, could you bring me in some chewing gum? He thought, well, I'll just hide it in my suitcase. Chewing gum. And he got off the plane, and somehow they had already, they'd already figured it out. They pulled him out of line and, and began to interrogate him. He, he tried to lie as best he could. You know, how many know that men lie and women cry? That's what Pastor told us. And if you get into a counseling session, men lie, women cry. So now you know. And he began to lie. They went through his bag and they found it tucked into a corner, you know. I don't know what it was. It was juicy fruit. I don't know what it was. But they took him out of line. They put him in a room and they put him on the next plane back to Kenya. He lost his opportunity to play for that soccer team. They didn't care about his, his abilities. There are other players, other people that can play. And it's, it's an embarrassment to him, especially in that area, because he, he was living actually next door to Pastor Safari, and people would see him, and they always remember, this is the guy that couldn't obey or couldn't follow the rules. They missed, he missed his opportunity. You know, I'm talking about what the Lord puts inside of us is more, so much more important than where we, came, where we came from. What your family history is. What your background is. What your education is. God puts something in us. See, when we, we come to a, a rally like this, God's trying to put something in us. He's trying to shape us. When you go into a discipleship class, that, God's shaping you. When you get together with your pastor and there's an impartation there, God is shaping us. He's putting something in you. He's putting a cutting edge upon your life so that when it comes time for ministry, you're able to do what he's called you to do. I thought about something that that pastor said one time to us. He says, you cannot put into a man what God has not put into a man. You know, it's something that God has to put into us. I was talking with Pastor Rod a while back and we were, we were just talking about pastoring and I, I just told you, you know, people that are, are not called to pastor should stay out of the ministry, out of pastoring. Everybody's not called to pastor. 
Everybody's called to serve. Everybody's called to be involved in ministry. Everybody is, is needed and everybody's called to evangelize. But not everybody is called to pastor. But those who are called, God will put a cutting edge on your life. It's necessary. And we, we cannot lose sight of the cross. You've got potential. I want to ask you something. How many in this place would say, God, why don't you write the contract for my life? You write it. And then I'll sign it. In fact, leave it blank. I'll just sign my name to it. I'll come to an altar. I'll sign my name to it. And then, Lord, you fill it in. But you know what we want? We want, amen. What we want to do is we want to write the contract and sign it. Or ask God to sign it. Lord, let me write it out. And here's where I want to be. And I, I'll give it five years. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to do something different. Say, God, how about, God, you write the contract. Anything you want to put in there. Lord, you want me to serve in ministry? Lord, I'll drive a van. Lord, I'll, I'll vacuum the church. You know, vacuuming the church is a ministry. I mean, it's not the most glamorous ministry. I walk in on, on Sunday mornings in our church. We got good ushers, men, and, and men that are, are accomplished, men that they drive brand new vehicles. They didn't walk to church. They drive brand new cars. They work with, with a lot of money. They work with, with millions of dollars. They deal with these kinds of things. And there he is pushing a vacuum in church. You know, I think, I think about these people. I think, you know, that's, that's serving. That's ministry. That's, that's something that's important and valuable in the kingdom of God. He asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to cut you off from the very livelihood that you have, that connection with God. He wants to, he wants to take that, that communication with God. The devil wants to cut it off. And why is it that when we deal with problems and we deal with things in life, that's one of the first areas to go is our, our prayer life. That's one of the first things we forget about is our communication with God. The answer is in loving God. The answer is in loving God. When, you know, Jesus, when he, he broke all those rules, all those 630 some odd laws, he, 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 he got rid of all of them and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He, brought, he broke it down into just one. There's just, he, he, he got rid of all those things and he loved the Lord more than anything else. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Ministry worker, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. As, you know, it's, it's interesting that as, as soon as my love for people begins to dwindle, I start seeing people as an irritation. It's instead of seeing the possibility in somebody's life, you start seeing the problems. Pastor Mario touched on it. Instead of seeing opportunity, instead of seeing that the, the God can, can raise this person up and do something supernatural in that person's life, that they're not going to be that person forever, that, you know, we, we, we start seeing them as a problem. 
Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Let me ask you, do you love the Lord? Feed the sheep. Be a blessing. Be a, be a, a, a person that desires to do something for God, that desires to pass on what you've learned, what you've, what you've experienced, your investment, what's, what's been invested in you, begin to pass that on to the next guy, that young person that's coming up. One of these days, we're, hey, we're, it's going to jump over me and go to the next generation and go to the next generation. And if Jesus doesn't come back, amen, all of us are going to be in, in eternity. The, the gospel's got to be left with somebody. Amen. If he doesn't, if he doesn't do it in us, he'll he'll find somebody. He'll do something somewhere. The gospel's not it, it. It can't be shaken. Can you say amen? 